When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the 19th episode of Kiwi and the Bird. I'm Kami. I'm Taylor. And in today's episode, we are going to give a non-spoiler review about the gripping and mischievous Six of Crows by Leigh Bardugo. Now, Six of Crows is a YA high fantasy told through the eyes of the crows. Kaz Brecker, a.k.a. Dirty Hands, is the bastard of the barrel, the worst of the worst. When he hears of a job where 30 mean Kruger, he assembles a crew of five individuals to pull off an impossible heist. With the world hanging in the balance and money at stake, there's no room for error. But can a group of thieves and thugs ever be trusted? For Kaz Brecker, a.k.a. Dirty Hands, there's no job that's too wrong or too terrible so long as the price is right. Kaz Brecker, for me, <laughs> is actually kind of a beloved character, which kind of scares me because he's kind of super ruthless and really, like, edgy and, like, very much, like, no emotions, only money. But... But but he's also kind of a softie. <laughs> True. <laughs> like, we see his backstory and we see all of that. And just him, he's just really, he's a well-written character. He's just low-key hot. <laughs> In conclusion, <laughs> he is sexy. <laughs> Basically. You know, on the surface, Kaz is like, yeah, kill anyone I need to for money and when you go deeper than that it's kind of the same but like you said he is a really well well written character in that he is super merciless and he is just brutal 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 and yet you do feel for him and you humanize him and you go hey 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 yeah he may have done that and that was really bad but and he doesn't feel bad about it but and, and he'd do it again, <laughs> but there's this sad part in his past, which I can't say because it's spoiled. Mm-hmm. And so it's okay. Exactly. You know what? He may do all these terrible things, but he does this one nice thing sometimes, and that <laughs> just like makes it all better. Anej Gaffa, aka The Wraith, is known for her knives, her knack for stealth, and her ability to gather the worst of secrets. If you want anyone on your team, you want Inej Gaffa. She will single-handedly take care of a problem. Like, if you're backed up into a corner, she will get you out of the corner. Like, that, that's kind of her job, is to yeah. get people out of bad situations. And she does, because she's just a total badass. She is. I love her character because she's this 16-year-old girl. But she's known as the Wraith. Like, she's known for her ability to just disappear. She's known for her ability to walk up behind someone without them knowing, without them hearing. She's really good at that. She's really good at getting secrets. She's pretty... I mean, I think she's a pretty good assassin. I mean, anyone who wants to argue against her is dead. So, (laughs) basically. She has all these things, but she also has a past of her own. But she also has her religious beliefs that she never strays from, which... I think is an interesting concept to put into a character, especially with, like, 
her background and where she is now. And I loved the juxtaposition of it and the conflict within her. And I just really loved her. She's just like the sassy little thing too. <laughs> like very subtly, very, yeah. very subtly. Like you don't see it a lot. And she's honest, like she'll tell you things straight. Yeah, she will. And she'll call you out too. But she's also really kind. Mm-hmm. She's really kind and she values her friends. And she's all around. She's just a badass queen. Yeah. I also just like that she is, um, she's not your typical white love interest or, like, female protagonist. Like, I think, I'm not sure, but I think Leigh Bardugo based the Suli, which is Inej's people Mm -hmm. in the story, I think she based them off Indian culture. I, that's what I was guessing, too. That's the sensation I got, at least. Where, I'm not entirely sure, so don't quote me. If I'm wrong, Sorry. But I think that's what she based the Suli off of. And I love that, like, that's an edge. Like, she's a person of color who has all of these, and she's a complex character who is probably the best person, in my opinion, is the best character. Mm-hmm. Jesper Fahey, the sharpshooter, never turns his back on a wager, even if it's a bad hand. Jesper is a very lovable character, in my in my opinion. He's... Addicted to gambling, and it kind of sucks at it, but <laughs> he also, like, that's not his whole identity, you know? He's this very flirty person who will flirt with literally anyone. Anyone with a pulse. Any, it's it's kind of, it's, it's kind of endearing, such funny to watch, not gonna lie. But he also is a sharpshooter, right? He has his guns, which he uses as a part of the gang you know that's kind of like his position as that's his the, role and he's kind of like second lieutenant to Kaz right he's the one that's kind of there the one that Kaz probably trusts the most and I don't know I just he's a fun character I think Jesper's a lot of the heart and humor in the story and he's the heart and the humor where you need it Because Six of Crows is a bit more of a gritty story. It's a hardcore world. You know, there's a lot of bad things going on. And so it's nice to have a criminal who is swarthy, who is flirtatious, and who makes quick friends with everyone, and who still, like, he kind of naturally draws you in. Mm -hmm. And he feels necessary to every mission. Like, you would notice if Jesper wasn't there. Yeah. Nina Zenik, the heart render, won't abandon her beloved, nor a good piece of cake. I relate so much with that second part. Oh my gosh. I think for her it's what, what, waffles and cake? Yeah. I, I think those truly drive her. Which, same. <laughs> Which is, and I think that one of the best parts about Nina is that she is super relatable. She's super confident. She has kind of like this... I am hot and I know it kind of thing going on about her. And she kind of has that. She's kind of like the hot one on the team. Like the one you send in to distract the guards. So that people can sneak around the back. It's literally her job. (laughs) Stop hearts and distract men. But it really is. But my favorite part is that she doesn't mind doing it. Like, she's like, yeah, I know I'm hot. Look at this cleavage. Are you kidding me? You know, like, she knows she's really attractive. But she's also, like, this really powerful Grisha. Like, she has the power to control people's bodies. Which, 
what? (laughs) (laughs) Which is really cool. Like, she's a... Out of all of the crows, in terms of raw power, she's the most powerful. Mm -hmm. Which is... Which I really like because, like you said, she is the most relatable, but she also has all this power. But also she's like, I'm hot and I know it. She has like all of these elements to her that make her a really interesting character to read. She's got morals and decolletage. That's a fancy ass word. Has a little accent mark on the E. Oh, it's French. Oh, is it? <laughs> I think so. What's it one more time? Decolletage. Page. It sounds French. And it sounds like a cheese. Matthias Helvar, the muscle, is loyal to his country, yet at which price will he betray it? Matthias Helvar is a big guy with a big heart. But there's a lot of hate in there. (laughs) There is. There is. He's got some things he's got to get through in this story. Yes, he does. You know, he's been through some things. He's in prison. (laughs) (laughs) Wrongfully so. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Does he have, did he have a lot of bitterness and hatred because of that? Yeah. Rightfully so. Right. Yeah, yeah, you know what? Rightfully so. But also he has, the thing about Matthias is that he also has, like you said, a really big heart. And he's just a really decent guy. He's got a good moral compass. He really does. He, he may be the only one with a moral compass. <laughs> That's fair, actually. When you read about Matthias, you just know that he's a good person. Honestly, just trying his best. <laughs> <laughs> he's like a grizzly bear on the outside, but a teddy bear in his heart. Yeah. Aww. That's really cute. <laughs> Wylan Vanek, the bait, is a rich boy with a talent for demolition. Wylan Vanek, to me, is somewhat surprising. Because when you first meet him, you're like, okay, he's just the bait. He's the soft boy. Like you said, he, he blushes a lot. He doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> he's a little naive. A little too innocent for this world. Mm-hmm. He could get corrupted really easily. <laughs> but what to me, in a sense, is surprising about Wylan is that he has the opportunity out of all of the crows to decide who he's going to become. Because everyone else in this story, they're set. Like who they are is who they are. Oh. Wylan kind of has to decide for himself right now what are his beliefs, what are his morals, what is he going to let himself become in this world? What is he going to let change him or not change him? And so, to me, Wylan is kind of more so, it feels like he's kind of figuring himself out while being the bait, <laughs> while being expendable. <laughs> To me, like, he's very, he's, he's new to this. And so you kind of just see him as younger than the crows, like someone to be protected. Wyland's kind of like when your mom's like, oh, you have to bring your little brother out with your friends. I don't want him home alone tonight. <laughs> he doesn't have friends. <laughs> so you go, oh, fine. 
Wine Mom. I'll tell. I'll take Wyland. So you kind of have to watch out for him. But then he impresses your friends, and you're like, "Oh, good job, little buddy." Yeah, that's such. A, that's a good expense. That's a good. Maybe you're not expendable. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should keep you around <laughs> for now. Six of Crows takes place in Ketterdam, a central hub for trade and criminal activity. While its appearances may attract the masses, only the street smart know that everything comes with a price. Ketterdam is a good setting, especially for Six of Crows. And it kind of, it, it comes alive, you know? Like, you, you can really picture Ketterdam. It's like all dark and gray and like humid, right? Yeah, I kind of imagine it like super bustling. It's It has a lot of activity, a lot of things going on. And that, like, amidst all of the distractions, there are some dark things going on. You like, it's kind of like when you walk down a street and you, like, kind of have, like, that sixth sense. And it's like, ooh, this is bad. Right? Hide my wallet. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's the feeling that, like, she kind of, Labor Dugo kind of personified that feeling, but in a setting. I think the setting very much felt like a character. Ketterdam really had its own attitude. You you figured out more and more what you could expect from it, and yet it still surprised you. And I found it just super immersive. It does have that feeling, and I think Claypore Dugo just has a really good job with her settings. She, like, she really makes them come alive. She makes it so like, you feel like you are there. She did that in Shadow and Bone, and she did that in Six of Crows. And because Leigh Bardugo wrote Ketterdam in such a way, I want to visit it, but then I don't because I know I would probably be killed in a day. Or just robbed. Yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that is not even a doubt. <laughs> it comes alive, so you want to be in it, but it's a terrible place, so you shouldn't. It's almost like the story, because the characters are so complex and interesting, and so is the setting, it makes you believe that you could survive in this setting. Because I could be like, oh, I just have to be like dirty hands and the wraith, you know? And I just get freaking doinked. And I get doinked for saying doink. <laughs> I thought you were going to say wrecked and I was going to be like, yeah, wrecked. <laughs> I like wrecked better. <laughs> I, I'm not, I was taken aback by doinked, not going to lie. <laughs> I like to surprise you. <laughs> In terms of Leigh Bardugo's writing style, I think she's always just very steady. She's very consistent with her writing style. It's like she keeps up with her pacing and she writes her characters well and she keeps you interested enough in the plot that you're like, oh, you know, like I actually want to know what happens in this. And in this case, it was more so for me that this happened with, with Six of Crows, kind, not necessarily overshadow and bone, but like in particular with Six of Crows, I think she wrote her characters really, really well. She's very steady, but I also like how she kind of adapts her voice to best serve the story. With Six of Crows, you do need a writing style that is deep and layered, that's willing to get into the nitty gritty, that's willing to go into the details, to really think outside of the box, to really imagine a setting and to write out every single thing that's going on. And so I think because of that, because of this really dense voice that she takes on that Six of Crows is really does stand out in its genre. It feels particular to itself. I really like the fact that she went from going from one perspective in Shadow and Bone to six or five in Six of Crows. 
Five. Mm-hmm. Five. She she had five perspectives, and in every perspective, she was she was writing the the present plot, the heist, but she was also going back and doing flashbacks of the characters' backstories. But she did so all in a way where it was cohesive, and it still it still kept its flow. And also, just the fact that she did that, like, do you know how difficult it must be to write in five different perspectives, make them all different from each other to fit each character, while also writing in their backstories through the plot and have that all make sense in one book? And you have a bunch of heist and criminal activity going on. It's crazy. And also, she has a lot of detail. It's a very dense book. Yeah. I I think with this book, you couldn't... You'd have to read it a lot to fully understand everything. You know, I've read Six of Crows through all the way once, and there's a lot of details that I've missed. There are a lot of things that, for me to fully understand and to fully picture in my head, I would have to read through a few times. But at the same time, I don't mind doing that. Hmm. If you like... Heists? Brutal edge lords with a soft spot. Waffles. Explosions. Well-written spy characters. Slow burn romance. Prison. Ocean's Eleven and the Italian job. Big muscled Scandinavians. Trauma. Banter. Plot twists. Gritty tones. Diversity. LGBTQ plus representation. Love-hate relationships. Gangs. Drama queens. Outcasts. Money. Canes. Tattoos. Sleight of hand. Theft. Flirty, magical cake eaters. A guy with guns who doesn't know when to quit. And rich guys that are the bomb. Then you will most definitely like Six of Crows by Bardugo. Now, Kami, based on our rating scale of 1 to 7, 1 being literal trash and 7 being fangirl mania, what would you rate Six of Crows by Leigh Bardugo? I would rate it a 6.75. Oh my gosh! <gasps> Kami, that's so high. It's a high one. I really, like, the the book hit me interested almost all the way. Like, the very first chapter, I was like, eh, right? But once you get after that, it kept my attention the entire time. Like, I loved the characters. I loved the setting. I loved the plot. I loved the way she wrote it. I loved, I, honestly, I, apart from maybe tiny, tiny little things, I can't think of a thing that I can't, that I did not like about this book i think i would give six of crows a 6.4 Ooh, yeah because and i told kami this several several times so i'm i'm sure it's probably annoying to hear at this point i probably forgot it to be (laughs) um but i wish i felt a little bit more emotionally about the characters and I think maybe the reason for that, and and I understand it, is because the characters themselves aren't necessarily emotional people. And like I get that they've these people have gone through a lot of things. The crows have had really hard lives, and their backstories are really gritty, and they're sad, and they're depressed, and like they they've suffered and they've survived a lot. But I wanted to see, even just amongst themselves, just a little bit more connection and bonding. And I feel like if I had maybe felt a little bit more connection and bonding throughout the story, 
that that would have driven it to a full seven. But overall, it's it's a good book. Yeah, like if I had to like rate just the pieces, like setting, seven. Plot, seven. Writing style, seven. Characters, that's just where the 6.4 comes in. Mm. Thank you so much for joining us on Keeping the Bird for our book recommendation episode about Six of Crows by Leigh Bardugo. We hope that you'll join us in our upcoming episodes. If you enjoyed our content, don't be afraid to subscribe to the podcast and follow us on social media. On both Twitter and Instagram, we go by the handle at Keeping the Bird. We hope you liked today's recommendation. Join us for our upcoming book discussion episode where we go into spoilers and details about Six of Crows. And, and remember, remember, like a library, at Keeping the Bird, shh, happens. If you made it this far, get ready for some bloopers. Wyland Vanek, the bait, is a rich boy with a talent for demolition. <laughs> Wyland's, <laughs> Wyland's got that boom, boom, boom. He's got that boom, boom, boom. Gotta get that boom. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. <laughs> Your hand gestures along with it. Like, your shoulders hunched up to your chin. You're like, <laughs> Yeah, but everything in French sounds like a cheese. Boulangerie. What does that mean? <laughs> it's either a bakery or a meat shop, and I don't remember which one. I've heard France smells like cheese and dead bodies. Oh, I just heard the dead bodies because <laughs> of the catacombs. Because I get excited, but that that might be why my throat is scratchy. Plus, I threw up in my mouth. <laughs> I threw up in my mouth today. Oh, <laughs> what's well, funny too? Because usually people would say like, "Oh, I, I had a baby barf." <laughs> I've never heard. That. Wait, you've never heard of, about baby barf? No. Oh, I thought that was the general term for it. I just say I threw up in my mouth. I thought it was baby barf because it's like I don't know, babies do it. I, I'm not around a lot of babies. <laughs> the first time I held a baby in my whole life, I was five. And I held my cousin. And I'm like, Taylor, what does it feel like? And I said, it feels like I'm holding a hot dog. <laughs> I also thought he was ten years old. <laughs> they just portray him as younger. And so I really thought some weird <laughs> shit was going on. <laughs> Pedophilia? Question mark. <laughs> Jesper, morals question. <laughs> Sharpay. Mwah! Mwah! Oh. <laughs> oh, dear. I was freak athletic, man. And then I started reading, and then I didn't like people, and then I started sitting inside, and all oh, I was You gone. mean you got wiser. <laughs> <laughs> what if when you drank, your voice sounded wet? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> We're like really slick. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Even though I can't sing for shit. Lies. Give me time. <laughs> I've had the time of my life. See, look at that run.
What's a run? <laughs> and so you go, <laughs> Can you feel the love? Huh? The love. Can you? Is that a song? I think it's Do You Believe in Life After Love? Do you believe? <laughs> right? That's a share song. I think that's the first uh, song. That's a share song? Yeah. I, didn't know that. I think it's the first song to ever use auto tune. Cher's like, thanks for. <laughs> is that a mini Uno deck? <laughs> it is. <laughs> I got it for my birthday. <laughs> His mom was the PTA leader. You know, I saw a book today in the Cozy Mysteries, and the title was Murder at the PTA. And I was like, <laughs> that's probably the most realistic. Right? I was like, you can count on him to be who he is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um. ¿Qué pasa? Six of crows is fine. <laughs> oh. <laughs> we'll go back. Um. <laughs> Cat waters. <laughs> oh, you beat me there. <laughs> How do you, wh- what's the word when you're the one being babysitted? Sat. <laughs> Coddled? No, like, like the babysitter and the babysittee. I thought it was just the baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I guess that works. Jasper's kind of a bad bitch. <laughs> she'll also pray for you, which is nice. Yeah, even if you don't believe, she'll she'll pray for you. Yeah. But you know, sometimes it's just, the sentiment is nice. Yeah. She's like, hey, you suck so bad. I'm going to give you all the help you freaking can get. Your life is so terrible. You need an otherworldly <laughs> presence for it. To... <laughs> I was like, sorry. Mood lighting. No via zen. No via no. No no ye no no, no, no by fun I just make weird sounds. <laughs> no. <laughs> and remember like a library <laughs> Ooh, maybe we do it like operatic And remember